You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We read Matthew 25, uh, verses 14 to 30. This is a, a powerful parable that our Lord gave us concerning stewardship. We just finished uh, this week our missions revival. We've left the flags up on purpose. I want you to see them. And for today, I want to give a very, uh, a very clear reminder that as a church, our job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not just Roanoke Rapids, although we need to get the gospel to Roanoke Rapids and Halifax County. But our job is to the four corners of the earth. One preacher said this, a missions conference is the church's business meeting to determine the destiny of lost souls. And this last week, we had a missions conference. And in essence, that missions conference is going to help us as a church to decide what are we going to do about souls in Germany? What are we going to do about souls in the Fiji Islands? What are we going to do about souls in Brazil? What are we going to do about the souls of, from missionaries who are going to all these countries? I hope we'll do something. I hope our hearts are burdened to do something to reach them. The mission of the church is missions. That's why we're here. Our church, I'm thankful for this, but as of last Sunday night, we voted. And we're now up to 84 missionaries that our church supports at $125 a month. We give them an extra check at Christmas time to be a blessing to every family. So it's about $130,000 every year that is sent out to missions. We usually get about a third of that comes in designated. This year we're about on track. About a third comes in designated and then the two thirds comes out of our general fund. Can I tell you our, our reason for supporting missionaries is not because we want to be a rich church. If we wanted to be a rich church, we could save a whole lot of money and just stick that in the bank. We could save a whole lot of money and do more here. But I want to tell you, if we're not supporting missionaries, what are we doing? If we're not concerned with souls in other countries, then pray tell, what are we doing? Our church, we have, and I think we've got a giving church. We've got a generous church, and I'm thankful for our members. We have 178 People, family units, giving units right now that so far this year have given $500 or more to the general fund. I don't know who gives what. I've, I do reserve the right for our staff. I will check. And if uh, we've got a staff member that uh, we are paying a salary, I think that staff member ought to be tithing. Amen. I mean, that's just, that's common sense. But I don't know. I don't know how much Edmund Dixon gives. I don't know how much Ryan Medlin gives. I don't know how much Brother Lorenz, I don't know how much every person gives, but I know we've got 178 people this year so far who've given $500 or more. I do believe every Christian ought to tithe. I just believe that's not even optional. That's just obedience. You say, but I can't afford to give 10%. Are you kidding me? God gave you 100%. And you say, oh, but I worked for that. And if I didn't have my good job, okay. Well, where do you think you got that job from? Where do you think you got the strength to go to work? And where do you think you got the mind and the skill to do that job? God's the one that gave it. And God requires 10% the tithe. I believe every Christian ought to tithe. 
We have in our church right now, we have 69 people or 69 family units that have given at least $100 so far this year to missions. If you do the math, we've had 37 Sundays. So that, if, you, if you gave $100 so far this year, that'd be a little less than $3 a week to missions. Now, we've got some who have given a couple thousand dollars to missions, but a lot of them are, you know, 500, 1,000, 1,500, somewhere in there. And that's wonderful. But I'll tell you this, I believe every one of us ought to do something for missions. That's above the tithe, that's above the 10%. I believe we ought to do something to reach souls with the gospel. You have an offering envelope in front of you. Here's your assignment. I want you to take that offering envelope and this week, when you have your prayer time, when you have your Bible time, when you have your time with the Lord, I want you to pray this week and I want you to ask God, say, God, what would you have me to give to missions? Now, I, I will say this. I don't want anybody in here to give any more than what God wants you to give. Don't do it. If God tells you to give a certain amount, I don't want you to give any more than that. But if God tells you to give a certain amount, I don't think you ought to give any less than that. It might be $5 a week. I keep using that. We spend $5 a week on ice cream or milkshakes or slushies or, or coffee. Or, uh, we spend, we're, Brother Johnson this week said, the average Christian spends a whole lot more money on dog food every year than we spend on missions. We spend more money on cable television. We spend more money on internet. We spend more money on the extras. I'm not talking about a roof over your head. I'm not talking about food to eat or clothes to wear. I'm talking about on the extras, how much we spend but yet, how much do we give to missions? I'd ask you to pray about your missions giving. I think as you look at that envelope this week, I think you ought to ask the Lord and say, Lord, uh, uh, if, 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 uh, if I'm not tithing, I'm going to start tithing immediately. You say, but I don't, know if, I don't know if I can pay all my bills. I know this. You're going to have a, a lot better time paying your bills being obedient to God than you are robbing God. But what about giving in your tithe, the 10%? What about missions? Even if it's something... You say, I give already. I give $10 a week. Wonderful. Maybe you'd pray. Maybe God would have you to give 20 a week. Or maybe God would have you to give $40 a month. Or maybe God would have you to give. Uh, you get paid every other week, whatever. But give something. Do something. I think everybody could do something for missions. I'm going to talk about it these next few weeks. I want our children. I want our children, even if it's 50 cents, I want our children to do something for missions because missions has got to be the heartbeat of our church. I believe we ought to do something. This passage, Matthew 25, we see some principles on stewardship and what our responsibility is in regards to what we have been given. Notice verse number 14. I'm going to go very quickly. I see in this passage and in this parable, number one, I see some reminders. Number one, we are not living for this earth. Notice what it says in verse 14, the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of earth. Not our life, not the temporal, not what's here and now. That's not what really matters. But what really matters is what is going to come in eternity. We are not living for this kingdom. I think a lot of Christians are miserable because they are living for down here. Can I tell you, you're going to be disappointed as a Christian. Your citizenship is not down here. Your home is not down here. Your life is not down here. This is a vapor. This is a short time. But we are not living for this kingdom. We're living for heaven. You see down here, your treasures will rust. Your treasures will deteriorate. 
Your treasures will depreciate. The things that we hold dear down here, the things that are temporal, they will pass away. What is temporal is not important. But what really matters is what is eternal. Number one, we're not living for this kingdom. Notice number two, we will not live here forever. Whenever you're in a place, and my wife and I, we've had several places in California we lived where we were there temporary. Uh, a few places we rented. When you're living in a place temporarily, you're not building additions to that place. You're not doing remodels and you're not doing renovations and you're not putting a lot into something that is temporary. But yet so many times as Christians, we put everything we've got into this earth. If you live to be a hundred, can I tell you a hundred years is nothing. It's the blink of an eye compared to eternity. If you're here this morning and you're saved and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, I want to tell you, you're going to heaven. Aren't you glad for that promise? And if you go to heaven, if you're saved and you go to heaven, help me out. How long will you live there? Forever and ever and forever. But yet so many times we get so wrapped up with what's down here and we forget about eternity. Number one. We're not living for this kingdom. Number two, we will not live here forever. Number three, Jesus left and he gave us a command. Notice in verse number 14, this parable, it says, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. And he called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Jesus, in this parable, Jesus represents the Lord. He represents the master. In this parable, the Lord, he left. He traveled into a far country. He left, but he left his servants with a command. We find in Luke 16, excuse me, Luke number, uh, chapter number 14, I believe it is, but the, a similar account. And when the Lord left, when the master left, he gave him the talents and he said, I want you to occupy. I want you to do something. I want you to be busy until I come back. Jesus left. And he left us a command. It's found in Acts chapter 1. And it's not a command so much about money, although money is involved. But Jesus said in Acts 1, as he ascended up into heaven, he said, ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus left, but he left us a job to do. He gave us a command. Number four, I see in this passage that we are servants. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes we don't act like servants. Sometimes we act like we're in charge. We act like we're the ones calling the shots. I want to remind us, none of us are in charge. We are all servants to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we are here for His purpose. A servant should serve. A servant must work. A servant must labor. And as God's people, I want to tell you, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of serving that needs to be done. There's a lot of jobs that we have been left with by our master. Number five, not only are we servants, but number five, we belong to God. Would you notice in verse number 14, it says, Who called his own servants. You don't belong to yourself. I don't belong to myself. I belong to God. I have been bought with the price. Not only did God create me, but God gave his son to die on a cross to redeem me and to buy me back from sin. And I belong to him. 
I am God's valued property, and so are you. You are God's treasured possession. You are important to God. God owns us. We belong to Him. Notice number six. I find in verse number, uh, excuse me, number six, verse number 14, that everything we have belongs to God. Verse 14, it says, And the man traveling into a far country called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. You see, the, the master left and he gave the servants the responsibility to manage his goods, the Lord's goods. They didn't belong to the servants. They were stewards. And friend, you and I, we are not owners of anything down here. It all belongs to God. We are stewards. You see, your body is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Your body has been given to you. It's been loaned to you by God. You should use it, and I should use it for His glory. Your time is not your own. Your time is a gift from God that you should manage. Your family, your wife, your children, your husband, your grandkids, uh, your family is not yours. God has given them to you. He has loaned them to you, but they belong to God. And we are responsible for caring for them. We're responsible for managing. A steward is one who manages the property or the possessions of another. And that's exactly what we are. That's why we're talking about stewardship. Because stewardship is taking something that belongs to someone else and using it in the way that it should be used. We are stewards for God. Notice in this passage, it says in verse number 15, and he gave one five talents, and he gave another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. The Lord of these servants, he left these servants with talents. These talents represent a, a sum of money. Can I tell you, God has given us talents. He's given us resources. God has given us time. God has given us ability. God has given us opportunities. And God has given us those things for us to use for His glory. I heard one preacher say this, God blesses us financially, and God has blessed many of us financially, but God blesses us financially not so we can raise our standard of living, but so we can raise our standard of giving. You think about it. Why, why would God bless us? And why would God give us more and more and more if we don't do anything to reach people for Christ? If we don't do more to reach souls, if we don't do more to send missionaries, if we don't do more to run buses, or if we don't do more to, uh, to, to, to build and to grow and reach more people with the gospel, we are not fulfilling our responsibility as stewards if God blesses us, but we do nothing for Him. One preacher said this, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. Can I tell you, everything we have belongs to God. Number seven, some people have more talents and abilities than others. I think we could see that in this passage for sure, and I think we see that in life. But notice if you would, verse number 15, to one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. Some people have more ability than others have. You know, when I stand before God, I can't say, but Lord, I didn't have as much money as so-and-so. Or I didn't have as much 
uh, talent or I didn't have as much opportunity or I didn't have as much influence. No, no, no. None of that's going to matter. God knows and God gives us according to our ability. He knows what we can handle. But when I stand before God, I may not be the best and you may not be the best. When I get to heaven and I stand before that judgment seat of Christ, I don't think I'm going to be able to say, Lord, I was the best preacher. I know that. I won't be able to say, Lord, I was the best pastor. I know that. Oh, Lord, I was the best soul winner. Lord, I was the best giver. Lord, I was the best prayer warrior. Lord, I was the best husband. I was the best father. I was the best, you name it. I, I won't be able to say those things. But when I stand before the Lord, I want to be able to say, I gave my best. I want to be able to say, Lord, I took what you gave me and I did the very best I could with it because some have more abilities or talents than others. Number eight, it's found in verse number 18. It says, but he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Can I tell you, this is sad. Now keep in mind, this is a parable. This is a, a, a heavenly story with a, an earth, a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. This is a parable that God is using, but there's some truth in this. And God says there's one servant who he received the talent. He received the treasure from his master. And he did nothing. He didn't even try. He didn't even care. He didn't even attempt. Later in this passage, when the Lord comes back, he says, you could have put that in the bank and you could have at least earned some interest on it. You could have done something, but this servant did absolutely nothing. He went in the backyard, he buried the treasure, he covered it up, and he went on his merry way. Friend, I want to tell you, God has blessed us with opportunities, and God has blessed us with life, and breath, and health, and strength, and resources. You can't bury it. You can't hide it. You can't ignore it. You can't neglect it. We must do something with what God has given us while we have time. Some of you, you have talents and you have abilities. Some of you could be singing up in a choir. Don't bury that talent. Some of you could be helping uh, in, a, in a class. Some of you could be serving in a nursery. Some of you could get in the sound room or be an usher or be a greeter. Or some of you could go out and, and help with different ministries. Please, please, please don't sit home and do nothing. Please don't sit on a pew and do nothing with the talents that God has given you because we are stewards. We will give an account. Number eight, the one who was rebuked by the Lord was the one who didn't even try, didn't even care, didn't even want to think about it, didn't want to deal with it. Number nine, I see in verse number 19, it says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh. I want to tell you that ought to be motivation for us. The Lord is coming back. We sang it this morning. Jesus is coming again and he is coming back. And I'm looking forward to seeing him. I'm looking forward to seeing loved ones who've already gone on and that meeting in the air. And I'm looking forward to the rejoicing on the streets of gold. I'm looking forward to those mansions of glory. But friend, I want to tell you, when Jesus comes back, our time is over. Our time to serve him is done. Our opportunities are finished and we'll have all of heaven and we'll have all of eternity to rejoice and to praise the Lord and to be together. 
But we must work now while we have the opportunity. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when he's coming back. The Bible says in verse number 19, it was a long time. Boy, there's people today, they doubt if he's coming back. They say, well, he hadn't come back in 2,000 years. And oh, we don't think he's coming. Where is the promise of his coming? I got news for you. That trumpet's going to sound and that eastern sky is going to break open. And I want to tell you, we will be gone. We will be out of here in the twinkling of an eye. He's coming back. We must be ready. We must be busy. Number 10, you say, Pastor, how many points do you have? More than I wanted to tell you about at the beginning. Number 10. The Lord expects us to be good and faithful servants. You see, doing nothing is not acceptable. Just sitting on the chair and, and, and watching everybody else serve, that's not acceptable. I understand we've got people in this church and I'll preach this way and I'll have people say, Pastor, I'd love to go out soul winning. I, I'm not even steady enough to walk. Uh, my health is not enough to ride on a bus. I understand that. The Lord understands that. I'm not talking to you. There's many things you can do. You can pray and you can give and you can encourage and you can, you can be in your place. But I'm talking to a lot of us that there is more we could do. There's more we could do to serve. There's more we could do to give. There's more we could do to pray. And God expects us to be good and faithful servants. Notice verse 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Verse 23, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But notice verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant. You know what he said about the one? He said, you were slothful. You were wicked. You didn't do what I told you to do. You did nothing. You were lazy. You were disobedient. Can I tell you, God expects us to be good and faithful servants do something number 11 i see that we will give an account go back with me if you would to verse number 19 it says after a long time the lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them that word reckoneth is an accounting term it literally means to add up or to calculate or to compute the figures and when the lord came back he said all right it's time to reckon. It's time to get the books out. It's time to balance the accounts. It's time to make sure that you have been faithful with what I left you to do. We will all give an account. The Bible teaches us that there, are, there will be two separate judgments for all people. One judgment is the great white throne judgment. That is where every unsaved person who has ever lived will stand before God and they will be condemned to hell. Not because of being a bad person or not because they didn't get baptized or not because they didn't join a church, but they will be sent to hell. They'll be cast in the lake of fire because their name was not recorded in the Lamb's book of life. They never put their faith and trust in Jesus. And that judgment is when all the books are opened. And the book of life is opened, and whosoever was not found written therein was cast into the lake of fire. That's one judgment for the unsaved. But then there's a judgment for the Christians. And every child of God will stand before a judgment seat of Christ. That word judgment seat in 2 Corinthians 5, it's the literal word bema seat, 
which was where those who had participated in the Olympic Games, they would stand before that seat and they would be given awards, they'd be given crowns, they would be giving, given uh, uh, rewards for how they ran or how they competed. It's not a place of punishment. It's not a place of judgment, like something bad's going to happen because we're going to heaven. But it's a place where we will be rewarded for our service. You say, well, what's so bad about standing before the judgment seat? Well, what's so bad about it is to stand before the judgment seat and there's no rewards and there's no crowns and there's no well done, thou good and faithful servant. Can I tell you what's going to be at the judgment seat? There's going to be a lot of rejoicing, but there's also going to be some regrets. I think we're going to look and say, why didn't I do more? Why, why didn't I get to church more? Why didn't I give more? Why didn't I serve? Why didn't I pray for missionaries? Why didn't I tell my neighbors about Christ? Why didn't I do more? Because we all will give an account. Number 12. It's found in verse number 21 and verse number 23. There is a reward for good stewardship. Here's the reward. The Lord said to his servants, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. We're in our series on Sunday mornings about joy for the journey. And I want to tell you, there is joy in giving. There is joy in stewardship. There is joy in serving God. There is joy in telling people about Christ. Because when we stand before the judgment seat and we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I want to tell you that's the icing on the cake. That's the reward. That's the blessing. That is the joy of serving God. The book of Acts reminds us it is more blessed to give than to receive. This passage, it, it's very very serious. Verse number 29, it says, For the one who did nothing with his talent, the one who did nothing with what the master gave him, it says, And every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Verse 30, it says, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, hang on, time out. That is a, that, those, are, those are terms that are often used to refer to the lake of fire. That are often used to refer to hell and damnation. This parable is not a parable about being saved or being lost. And we never, we never build our doctrine on parables. Again, these are uh, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. This is something to show us how to be a good steward. The Bible does not teach that if we don't serve God, we go to hell. Absolutely not. The Bible teaches if we don't get saved, we go to hell. So what's this talking about? Well, I think there's a couple things. One is if we had opportunities to get people to heaven and we didn't take the opportunities and we didn't seize the opportunities and we didn't do anything to try to get people to heaven, there will be some people that'll go to hell. Not us if we're saved, but there'll be people that will spend eternity in a lake of fire that maybe we could have reached, maybe we could have won, maybe we could have helped. But I'll tell you this, I believe there'll be some great re regret for opportunities that we missed, for opportunities that we wasted and we could have seen people saved. We could have seen people reached, but we were not good stewards with what we've been given. 
You say, well, pastor, how do I know if I'm a good steward? Well, you know it, and God knows it. I don't know it. I won't answer for you, and you won't answer for me. But the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat, and we must all give an account. There's joy in stewardship. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.